thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keith. I'm joined again on this Monday morning by Connor Brumley as we chat through uh, the latest from the summer transfer window. And Connor, even though it's now officially properly open, isn't it? You know, we're, we're in that time and, and, you know, players are starting to return back to pre-season and everything else. It seems that whilst the players are hurrying back to, to their clubs, uh, the, the transfer window may have slowed down a little bit over the weekend. Everyone getting their business done nice and early, it seems. Liverpool, the latest, Dominic Shabroshlai uh, joining Alexis Pekalis through the door. That deal being confirmed on Sunday. Arsenal joined closer to the deal for Declan Rice. Mason Mount's been spotted in uh, Manchester as well this morning to, to dot the I's and cross the T's on his move from Chelsea. Um, but in terms of, you know, looking forward in this transfer window and, and try to keep some interest, hopefully, as well, um, Chelsea is, is the place where we're going to start in terms of their squad and, and where they're looking um, this summer. And, and mainly it's the fact that they're trying to move players on. Um, as It's been well documented that Chelsea have a bloated squad, a rather large squad, a squad that was so large at points last season that they even had to expand their dressing room at their training ground. It, it got that big. So a big thing for them is that, of course, they're still trying to rebuild and revitalise and reinvigorate the squad, but they're also trying to move on players that they don't necessarily think have a future at Chelsea. Uh, and one of those being Christian Pulisic um, reports this morning that AC Milan have offered about £12 million for him over the weekend. Leon going up to £21.5 million uh, with, with their offer. And that, that is a far cry from the £58 million pounds that Chelsea paid for Mr Pulisic four and a half years ago. Yeah, and I think this is one of them transfers that will probably bite Chelsea in the rear end because I think Pulisic is a brilliant player. I think he's never been utilised correctly. And you look at Chelsea, they've had so many different managers. The, the stability at that football club over the, the time that he's been there has been basically non-existent. So I think this is a... <laughs> It's it's one of them where I think maybe it's time for Pulisic to go, but I think Chelsea will look back at this in maybe even a year's time and think, oh, we've let him go and he's absolutely tore up Syria or or the French league. And yeah, he's a, he's a good player. He's a, he's a a player that I like watching. He's got the skills you want from a, a modern day, you know, winger forward player. He's very very quick. I think that he's a a decent finisher. I just think he's never been given the chance to really show himself at Chelsea you know he's never been able to and he's had injuries as well to be fair but he's just never been able to get a, a consistent run in that team and we talked about Pulisic I think on the last episode and you know I mentioned that game against Burnley and that's the one that sticks out in my head he got a hat-trick that day and I was like wow like what a player he is and he's just never been able to, to step up from that but I think it's it's a shame that we're, we're losing a player like him in the Premier League because when he came in, I was, I was really excited to see him and I thought that it was good business from Chelsea at the time. But I think this probably isn't Pulisic's fault. This is the fault of Chelsea Football Club. They have mishandled so many players over the years, you know, players that were expecting to leave potentially this summer, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek being one of them, a player that they've mishandled. Conor Gallagher, you know, they talk about him leaving. I feel like they mishandled him a little bit Last season, Callum Hudson-Odoi, another one that they've never, you know, found a way to, to get him into the team. And a few years ago, they were talking about him going to Bayern Munich and they, they really pushed to keep him and then didn't utilise him. So I think it's just synonymous with Chelsea and Pulisic is just the next victim of a, a young player who's 
had their career development stalled by by sticking around at Stamford Bridge. So why do you think that is that he's not been able to to kick on then? You know, you mentioned there about the fact that there are different managers and, and he's played under, I think, you know, three, isn't it? You know, Lampard was, was there when he first joined. Um, and then it was Thomas Tuchel and then uh, uh, obviously Graham Potter briefly and then Lampard again. I know he joined January 2019 when technically it was still Maurizio Sarri, but he was back on load at Borussia Dortmund at that point. So in terms of actual managers that he's played under at Chelsea, it has been Lampard, has been Tuchel and it has been Potter. But none of those have kind of, you know, and again, we spoke about this on a previous podcast, none of those managers have found a consistent place in their starting eleven for Pulisic and he's played in multiple different positions you know we've seen him at times as, a, as almost like a full side I think we've seen him at times as wing back as well it's, it's been strange you know kind of a winger at times too and, you know I appreciate what you're saying there that kind of sometimes uh, you know players can do with a settled atmosphere and, and the fact that Chelsea have had so many managers in his you know four and a bit years there to have you know four different managerial spells and, and three different managers in that time is quite tough um, but it, it does fall on the player though at times as well that they have to you know it happens for all players in their careers that they do go to clubs where it is a, kind of almost a revolving door in the management but they still have to you know find a way to fit into the different managers style of play so I you know as I say there I appreciate your point that you know the, the uncertainty in the dugout has probably not helped at times but I, I feel that there's a little bit on Pulisic as well here that he's not been able to, to show his full potential I think there is I mean he'll look at himself and wonder could he have done things differently? I think, you know, could he have maybe tried to have gone out on loan, you know, and just said, you know what, you're not, you're not 100% keen on using me. Maybe send us out on loan for a season at a lower end Premier League club and maybe I can show you what I can do. But I look back at players that Chelsea, you know, it bears no resemblance really because of how long ago it was. But Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne were victims of the same thing of being at Chelsea and having managerial changes, managers not really fancying them, but knowing there's a decent player there, they leave a couple of seasons, they're back in the Premier League and, and, and tearing it up. And it feels to me like Pulisic has that kind of vibe. I think he'll be better for the experience of being at Chelsea. And I think if he takes a move to a club that will cherish him and look at him as a key player, and at Chelsea, it felt like he, he was almost a decent bench player you know that that's what it felt like to me he didn't really like he had the trust I mean you look at last season the minutes he played he he was more on the bench than what he was and how many consecutive starts did he get last season you know I think I'm looking at his Premier League games here twice he started two games consecutively so that that's not enough for a player like him to show it's not enough for any player to show really how good they are and it's a victim of Chelsea's squad size and it's it's just a victim of the way that that club's running. I think he needs a fresh move. I do think he can take some of the blame. I mean, players will blame themselves. But I also think that Chelsea is not a good environment for a player who was, what, 19 when he moved there. I, I don't think it's the best environment and it's not the move that I would make. If he transferred to Liverpool or Man City or even Arsenal with Mick Arteta and that had that consistency and he was in that team every week learning developing <laughs> I think he would have done far better than being at Chelsea with you know we talked about the coaches that were there Frank Lampard I think we can all agree not the greatest football coach you know and I don't think he's necessarily the best Thomas Tuchel I think he's probably played his best football under Thomas Tuchel and then this past season was just an absolute shambles so I say good luck to him I hope that he, he goes you know, to a, a, finds a new home and, and does really well and 
shows everyone what he's capable of because I do think he's a potentially a top level player. In terms of his age, um, you know, he's 24 at the minute, turns 25 in September. And looking at where Chelsea are trying to head in terms of, you know, the, the players that have been linked with, they all look like, you know, they're kind of not there yet. They're not the finished articles yet, but they need to, you know, a few more years and they might be there. It's a very young squad that Chelsea look to be building. So you're surprised then that, you know, as I said there, Pulisic 24 turns 25 in September isn't being viewed as, as part of this future at Chelsea. You know, and likewise, you know, same for Mason Mount, who's, as he said, there is on the verge of, of joining Manchester United. You know, yes, these players, you know, Mount, it probably became quite clear that there was a difference between what he thought he was worth and what the club thought he was worth in terms of weekly wage and wasn't going to sign a new deal. So at least they've got money in for him. But Pulisic as well, it just seems that, you know, it's it, it a little bit surprising just given the ages that he's not kind of seen and considered as somebody who could be part of this rebuild going forward, who probably still has his best years ahead of him. Yeah, and I would agree with that. You would think um, Mason Mount as well. It, it It's actually baffling really that Chelsea don't value him in the way that Manchester United do considering he's an academy product he's won the Champions League with them he's a player that Chelsea fans love it doesn't make any sense that Chelsea don't value him in the same way and Pulisic it kind of obviously he's not been as integral to the Chelsea team but it does feel silly that they're not looking at him thinking he's one of the ones we should keep by trying to get rid of the older players but maybe Pochettino just doesn't fancy it maybe he just thinks you know what we'll sell him for 20 25 million, whatever it may be. And we can reinvest that in a player that we think fits into how we want to play. Could it also be that Chelsea are just happy to take money for players? Any fringe player that they don't think is integral, even if they like them, if they can get some money for, maybe it's worth doing. But you are correct. I, I don't, you know, at 24 years old and he has shown glimpses. He's been in the Premier League now for, you know, a few years and he's, he's shown that he's capable of playing at this level. It is surprising that they are willing to take such a, a big loss on him, especially when last summer, I mean, I think he was linked with Newcastle last summer and they were talking about a big transfer fee. Um, you know, they are selling low, it's fair to say on him. And it, it really wouldn't surprise me if we're, we're sat here in two years' time on this podcast talking about Pulisic moving back with the Premier League for a silly transfer fee. So it is, it's a, it's a big risk from Chelsea. Um, I would have probably tried to keep him around, but I understand that they are in a position where they're completely rebuilding that whole footballing side of things and maybe Pulisic's fate just doesn't fit. Mention about the fact that Chelsea are rebuilding that football inside. Uh, and by my account, um, and again, you know, this 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 could be changing by the time we get to the end of this podcast, but by my account, it's currently seven first team uh, players and I might be being uh, uh, yeah, a bit kind to Tiamue Bakayoko, including him in that first team list, but seven first team players that have been sold or released uh, so far by Chelsea this summer, five of whom they've got fees for already. Um, yeah, Pulisic probably will end up being one of those on the list. Mason Mount as well, um, again, imminently expected at Man United. So that, that list is going to grow. There's, there's you know, no doubts about that. So it's probably going to get closer to 10 and, and double figures with, <laughs> without too much time there into the future. So in terms of those dealings, Yes, Chelsea probably still have work and they've already brought in some players already, but they're, they're probably looking at more players to bring in. But in terms of the outgoings and, and the fact that they needed so many outgoings and obviously balanced the, the books and everything to do with FFP, that they're getting so many out the door early on. Is that a sign of a good work from Chelsea in this window? I know it sounds weird, oh, they're selling so many players, how can you do that? But it was a necessity for them and that they're doing it so early in the window means then that hopefully... They might be able to kind of, you know, for, from a Chelsea point of view, that there are some other targets that they can now start to consider, start to think about 
um, because they've done the hard work early on and got rid of so many players for fees. I would agree with that assessment. You know, I think if you looked at the end of the season and you'd said that Chelsea would be going to be able to move these players and get the transfer fees that they've been able to get, I think you would probably say, like, that's fake news, that won't happen. It, it felt impossible at the time. How they've managed to pull in fees for players like Kula Bali is beyond me. I, I looked at him last season and thought he was a a really poor player. The fact that they've been able to move his wage and get a, a decent transfer fee for him is, is mind-blowing. And I think Aubameyang hasn't moved yet, but they're talking about him potentially moving to Saudi Arabia, aren't they? And if they were able to get a fee for him, considering again that he's, for me, he's been a finished player for about two or three years. Um, well, probably two years now. I, I think that that would be excellent business. And just the fact that being able to move these players on who were such high earners that I didn't think they'd be able to find suitors for, it has been impressive. Now, obviously, they've got lucky with the Saudi Arabia League wanting to invest in and build up you know their reputation and um that's been a huge benefit for Chelsea because they've been able to you know utilize that and I think Saudi Arabia and the people trying to you know change the image of that league for want of a better term they are looking at Chelsea players and knowing that the household names and saying well that will help us build this competition up so Chelsea you've got looking in that sense but in a way you also make your own look as well and and I think I think they deserve a lot of credit for being able to to reshape this team because I thought that they would really struggle with rebuilding that team because they had so many players on big wages that cost them so much money. It was going to be very difficult to, you know, let Pochettino build the team in his vision. And I think that the rebuild of that team has actually probably been advanced a couple of transfer windows because they've been able to get rid of so many players this early on because if they couldn't get rid of Koulibaly who signed what four five year contract that's some last summer and he's on I would guess at least £150,000 a week that is a big burden to have in your team and in, in the squad and that's a lot of resources on a player that's not particularly good and the fact they've been able to move him on in particular gives them resources to spend elsewhere so I think they've, they've had a, a brilliant transfer window so far Before we go any further on this podcast, uh, again, just want to point you in the direction of a couple of new boxing podcasts uh, and MMA podcasts that we will have coming out uh, over the next few weeks and another couple of series there uh, from our friends at Mirror Fighting, one focusing on Conor McGregor and his rise to become one of the stars of the UFC uh, and the other on the rise of influencer boxing, the likes of KSI, Jake Paul, Logan Paul and how they have become uh, almost have some names, I think, there in the boxing world as well and, and the influence that these influencers are, are having on the sport of boxing too. So. Uh, Definitely both worth a listen uh, when they come out for sure. Um, reverting back to football though, Connor, um, you mentioned a name earlier on on this show when we were talking about Chelsea and, and potentially selling players and players linked with exit. One of those happens to be Connor Gallagher. And, you know, we've spoken about potential destinations for him, I'm sure, before this show. Connor Gallagher being one of the players linked with a move to Newcastle. They're also being linked with uh, a move for Calvin Phillips. So it seems that English midfielders are, are definitely on the mind. But are these the kind of players for where Newcastle are and where they want to go? And I suppose now the next logical step for Newcastle, having got their return to the Champions League, is to be challenging for others. Um, are these the players that that can help them achieve that goal of, of you know, now winning titles and 
really cementing their place among the biggest and best clubs in England? I think Conor Gallagher is definitely that kind of player. He's a, you know, when he was at Crystal Palace a couple of years ago, he was phenomenal. I thought he was a brilliant player and I thought he'd come into this Chelsea team and really show what he could do and probably be a victim of the shambles that was Chelsea last season. So I think if Newcastle were to recruit Gallagher, they'd probably be buying low on a player that has potential, you know, top top midfielder in the Premier League. You know, I think he could be that good if he's given the right place in the right environment. You look at what Newcastle have done as well last season with players like Joel Linton, you know, who was a joke of a player. You know, everyone was laughing about him before Eddie Howe came in. And now he's a Brazil international. He's just a man mountain in that midfield, dominating the ball. And he looks a completely different player. And I think if I was a player like Conor Gallagher, I would look at what Eddie Howe's done with the players that were already at Newcastle before they had the takeover and how he's turned them into, you know, such a strong team. And yes, you know, Newcastle spent a lot of money. You know, they wouldn't be where they were if they didn't sign Sven Botman or Bruno or Isaac up front as well. They have spent a lot of money to do that, but they've also been able to get a tune out of players that, you know, were struggling under Steve Bruce. And I think Conor Gallagher would really, really thrive in that environment. I think he'd be an ideal signing for Newcastle. And I think he would sort of take them up a level in that midfield um, and add depth to that, you know, part of the team last season. They really struggled when they lost, you know, they had Bruno was out with a bit of an injury at the time. Sean Longstaff was out with an injury. I think we'd all agree that Sean Longstaff probably isn't um, a Champions League level midfielder. So adding in Conor Gallagher there and having Sean Longstaff as the backup makes sense to me. So I think that would be a good move. Calvin Phillips, I don't know. I don't think that that's a player that Newcastle should be signing. He he really struggled moving to Man City last year. And I I just wonder if he's a player that did well in a system at Leeds. You know, it fits the system that he played also with England and can he play outside of that? I'm not so sure. Newcastle play with three central midfielders. I don't know if Calvin Phillips fits playing in with a central midfield three. He seems to do better in a, in a midfield two. And why would you buy a player that, that struggled so much last season? Even Pep Guardiola talked about his weight issues at some point. You know, that would have alarm bells ringing for me as well. And I don't think Newcastle are, their recruitment has been so smart. I don't think they would take the risk on a 27-year-old who's had injury problems and struggled in a Man City team last season. That was very, very good. So I I don't think that makes sense, but Gallagher definitely does. Is midfield then a position and an area in the pitch that you think Newcastle need to be recruiting in this summer? I mean, it said there, um, you said there, sorry about the fact that it's probably more, you know, Gallagher, if he was to join, adds depth to that midfield. But is there... You know, do we need to add first team starters perhaps in there as well rather than just depth? Well, I think when I said depth, I mean that he would mean that they'd push down players that were in that midfield to, so that they become depth. I think Newcastle need to probably add players almost everywhere all over the park. I mean, you think it, you look at, say, left back, and they've got Dan Byrne there, who's a good left back. He's done brilliantly for Newcastle, and he's from the area. He, he is loved by the fans, but is he a player you can rely to play Premier League and Champions League games every week? Well, probably not. And, you know, you look across the rest of the team and Newcastle have a really good, I would say, maybe 14, 15 players. But after that, I don't think it's necessarily 
where it needs to be. So they definitely need to recruit players, def- quality players as well. It's pointless going out and buying free transfers that are at a similar level. They need to go out and get players that are going to take to the next level. And I think that's it looks like that's what they're doing. You know, the business that they're trying to, to pull off this summer. And I think Gallagher would fit into that. Calvin Phillips, I just don't think he is the right fit for Newcastle. But Eddie Howe will want to add players in all the departments. The other issue with Newcastle is there's such a positive team spirit there that you don't want to change that too much. You know, you don't want to add in seven or eight players and change that 11 because then you lose what's made, you know, the, the team so effective over the last 18 months. And I think Eddie Howe will be wary of that as well, which maybe that's why he's looking at signing English players because maybe he thinks that they'll fit into what Newcastle are doing uh, far easier than you know foreign players but I think that the businesses especially if they go for Gallagher that makes a lot of sense to me In terms of the way that Newcastle are dealing as well in, and making their transfers making their moves making their additions um, I suppose it kind of ties back into really what they've done um, over the past you know few windows as well is that it's not necessarily you know big eye-catching names that you know when we've seen you know and you go back to when Manchester City first uh, you know got their new owners and 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 the guys from the um from Abu Dhabi took charge and, and they were going out and splashing money on Rubidio and other big name signings and kind of really making big waves likewise you know Paris Saint-Germain as well going out inside of Neymar or Marquinhos and Thiago Silva and Zlatan Ibrahimovic you know kind of making statement signings very early on going we're here we want to be part of the elite you look at Newcastle's dealings since the uh, under the Saudi Arabia ownership, and it's not been like that. You'd probably say only aside from Bruno Guimaraes is the only one that's really kind of arrived with any big fanfare. And I'm not saying that badly. You, you can you can look at the other signings that they've made, and and it's a great success for Newcastle that they've done this and and done it almost in like a kind of really clever way, almost that they're showing a, a really sensible approach to recruitment. And I think you know again being linked with guys like Phillips and Gallagher kind of shows that again, that they could have, you know, could go out this summer and splurge big money and, and kind of bring in these big names because they're back in the Champions League. But there's a structure in place there. There's a recruitment structure in place and they're not going to move from that by the looks of it. That They identify the players that they think can add to the squad. And even if they're not, you know, these big, you know, I don't want to use the term sexy names, but you know what I'm getting at there, you know, kind of the big eye-catching names. That's fine. That's grand. That's that's good for us. We'll just bring in the guys that we think will do a job, and as you said, they potentially fit into that dressing room and and not rock the ship too much. Yeah, I think the genius of what's happened at Newcastle is the fact they've been able to get a tune out of players that were basically seen by their fans as not good enough. You know, the the Steve Bruce era at Newcastle, I think, affected a lot of the reputations of the players that were there, and. Now, the fact that, say, a player like Jacob Murphy is a, a big part of that team and he was seen as a flop signing. Eddie Howe's done such a good job with them kind of players. Even Sean Longstaff did so well under Rafael Benitez, struggled under Steve Bruce, was you know seen as a missed opportunity when they didn't sell him to Manchester United. And then he's back now and he's, he's a big part of that team. And that is the genius of what Newcastle have been able to do. So... They haven't went out and you're right, they haven't bought the sexy players, but I think they've looked at Eddie Howe and looked at what would work for him. And, and I imagine he's got a big say in what the recruitment is. And that's created a recipe that that's worked, that they've been able to build a team there that has all the ingredients you want. There's little bits of quality in there, but they're also a very hard working team. They're defensively solid. 
And that's a recipe for success in football. You know, if you're conceding a lot of goals, you've got to score a lot of goals and Newcastle have been able to find a, a way that they can keep a lot of clean sheets, which means that, you know, I think they only lost three or four games last season. That's very, they drew a lot, but if they can turn some of them dream, draws from last season into wins this coming season and they still just lose three or four games, they're going to have a very, very successful campaign. So, yeah, you're right. They haven't bought the most eye-catching names, but they've bought the right names for them. And also, the other thing you've got to take in is if they buy a Rubinho from 15 years ago, they have to pay him a massive amount of money, which completely unsettles that where everyone is in that team. I think Bruno's the highest paid player at Newcastle, but he is the best player. You bring in a, a really sexy name that earns double what Bruno earns, Bruno will want that and you're paying a lot more money for the, the rest of the players in your squad. So I think they're, they're definitely doing it in the smart way as much as it pains me to see it. Yes, I do appreciate you as a, as a Sunderland fan there uh, saying on multiple occasions, genius and Newcastle in the same sentence. That, that, that did uh, bring a smile to my face there for sure. Um, just some quick fire uh, transfer lines though before we go this morning, Connor. Um, Chelsea looking at Ryan Cherokee from uh, from from Leon uh, and a player who seems to have uh, Kieran Mbappe's uh, approval. I think is what we we'll say. Really likes him, likes the look of him, and, and likes what he could do. Um, and so do I as well. To be fair, I think he's a, a you know looks a real talent, a really really skillful player. And again, go back to what we said earlier about Chelsea, the fact that they're looking at young players like this Ryan Cherokee really does fit the uh, the mould and the profile for Chelsea yeah but 19 years old played a full season last season stats a little bit underwhelming four goals six assists but you know you talk about a 19 year old who's contributing 10 goals in a season uh, for a team in the top division so you can't knock that I think it fits what Chelsea are trying to do makes a lot of sense especially if they're losing a player like Christian Pulisic can this guy just come in and be a, not a like for like because, you know, I think he's actually, he's, he's predominantly left wing yeah, according to the stats here. So maybe a more like for like replacement. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. Sticking with wingers, uh, Tottenham closing in on the deal for Mano Solomon, uh, obviously on loan at Fulham last season. Were you impressed with him at Fulham? Can he impress at Spurs? Can he make a step? Well, I say step up. There's not really much of a step there, there is there. There's no European competition this year. So I suppose it's not really a step. But, Point is, can he continue to impress for Tottenham next season? He doesn't exactly move the needle, though, does he? You know, you're a Tottenham fan. Is he a player that really, really excites you? You know, he was a Fulham fringe player last season. Let's be brutally honest, that's what he was. So, is he going to really be much more than that for Tottenham? Probably not. So, it's a, it's a meh bit of business for me. It doesn't doesn't make me think that Tottenham are going to be a top four team next season, which is what they want to be. Talking of top four and Champions League and kind of moving abroad though for it uh, and, and talking of the Champions League clubs, Napoli, uh, they had a £30 million bid rejected for Wolves defender Max Kilman. Surprise that Napoli are interested in him or, or, you know, I mean, there was previously talk about the fact that he may have got himself into the England reckoning uh, previously. So there's clearly something about him. Looks a good player, looks a very talented player, especially on the ball. Um could he, if Napoli are successful in their chase, whether or not they come back with a second bid, we don't know yet at this point, but if he were to move to Napoli, could he make the step up? I think so. I think it's a, if he's going for somewhere in the region of 30 to 40 million pounds, I think there should be other Premier League teams interested, you would think. Um, that being said, I think Wolves have got FFP issues, haven't they? So 
maybe they've sent the feelers out and be like, mm, maybe we will sell a few of these players that you know are worth this 30 to 40 million pound price bracket. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's a move there this summer for him. Uh, is Napoli the right place for him? I don't know what they've got in terms of resources for wages. You know, you would think that Wolves, because of the Premier League TV money, would probably be able to pay the same sort of level of money. So it depends what Kilman wants. Is he is he wanting Champions League football? Then of course it makes sense to move to Napoli. Um, but if he's wanting a higher wage, maybe not the place to go. But I wouldn't be shocked if he leaves Wolves this summer. I think the the what you hear from that club, the fact that the sold Ruben Nevers as well this summer is they are going through a little bit of a rebuild and, you know, I think Lopetegu is wanting to have financial muscle and maybe he thinks that Kilman's replaceable. So I think it would be a good move for Kilman in the sense that he's going to be playing at a higher level in terms of Champions League football. Whether or not it's going to be better for his bank balance, not 100% sure. I think I wouldn't be shocked if a Premier League team was to go. I mean, we're talking about Newcastle Iron players. That seems like a, a fit for Newcastle to me, a, a young English defender would make sense and just finally uh, West Ham have made a formal approach to Lee's for Tyler Adams so I suppose this is then potentially looking for a replacement for Declan Rice ended last season with an injury I think he missed the last what 10 12 games of last season so thought I think Leeds paid 20 million pounds for him didn't really set the world alight last year that being said he's had a, a period to adjust to Premier League football and maybe West Ham are looking at it as a buy and low situation. What leads, so are in a position whether in the championship have to sell players. To, you know they've got all the all the issues you have from coming down the Premier League, down the championship in terms of finances. So it would make sense if that you get a decent offer that they would sell. From West Ham's perspective, it's probably a a, a way of adding depth to their team. They've got obviously Europa League football next season. And they'll probably pay roughly, I would guess, what Leeds paid last summer. So you're talking a 20-ish million pound transfer. So in some ways it makes sense. I think the concern would be is, is does he really, if we're saying it's a Declan Rice replacement, they're big boots to fill for a player who was playing for a relegated team last season. You know, that's that's a, a big jump. And I don't know if he is necessarily, you know, and, you know, is he anything more than a bottom sort of five or six Premier League player at the moment. Probably that's where he is. So for West Ham to think he's a Declan Rice replacement, probably not. Good squad depth, yes. Connor, thanks as always for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, of course, you can stay up to date with all the latest from the transfer window and beyond uh, across the Daily Mirror, Daily Star and Daily Express websites. Uh, and as well, keep looking out for those uh, boxing podcasts that we mentioned earlier on, the, the new series that we've got coming uh, from our friends that we were fighting on Conor McGregor and the rise of influencer boxing. But for now, it's goodbye.